Last week, I experienced a 24-hour period I'll never forget. I've been scattering white millet here and there in my yard during this year's amazing sparrow migration. On Tuesday morning, just a few minutes before I had to leave for my daughter's house to babysit Walter, I spotted something I've never seen here in the 41 years we've lived on Peabody Street, a field sparrow. After living here so long, it's unusual for me to add new yard birds, and this has been a most yearned-for species. Earlier this month, I mentioned how with climate change, we might start seeing field sparrows more often up here, but I certainly didn't expect one to turn up so soon and in my own yard. When I took ornithology in 1976, I did my field research project on the savanna sparrow and inadvertently learned something cool about field sparrows. Coincidentally, a savanna sparrow also showed up in my yard for a week or so, even singing a few times. But for my class project, I mapped out all the savanna sparrow territorial boundaries in my study area by playing a tape recording of their song. If I was on a savanna sparrow territory, that bird would fly in, and if I was on a border between two territories or where three territories intersected, all the owners would respond. But wherever I was, the moment I played a savanna sparrow recording, I got a response from one or two field sparrows. Their beautiful whistled song is entirely different from the short, buzzy savanna sparrows. In class, I'd learned that mapping territories is straightforward and simple, but as it turns out, real-life birds add a lot of wonderful complexities. Field sparrows are not just complex, they're unpredictable in another unexpectedly wonderful way. One researcher documented a pair nesting less than two feet from a pair of eastern towhees, and both species fed the young at both nests. In another case, a pair of field sparrows and a pair of common yellowthroats actually shared the same nest, both incubating full clutches at the same time. I treasured field sparrows long before I knew that. It's yet another case in which the more I learn about a bird, the more wonderful it turns out to be. So I was beyond thrilled to see a field sparrow right here in my own backyard. Before this, the most recent yard bird I'd added was a wood thrush last May, so this was a red-letter day for me, but I couldn't stay home to savor it. I had to get to my grandson's to babysit. I alerted a small birding network that the field sparrow was at my place and drove off. While Walter was napping and I was looking out his window, I discovered a pair of chickadees apparently excavating a nest cavity on the backside of a tree in the woods across Tisher Creek. 
From my daughter's property, I cannot see the hole, but I could see the birds disappearing and coming out with wood chips. I watched them for 15 minutes or so, and then one of them alighted on the tree closest to Katie's window and fluttered its wings. Its mate alighted in the branch above it, fluttered its wings, and sauntered closer and closer, both birds quivering and fluttering their wings, and suddenly I had a full X-rated view of baby chickadee production. I couldn't get a photo, but this was through the window glass anyway. Yup, a red-letter day for sure. Right as the two birds were getting back to business as usual, my phone pinged with the text message. Jim Lind and Petter Svingen, who had gone to my place to get the field sparrow, had found an even rarer bird right there on Peabody Street. Next time I'll talk about the rest of my exciting 24 hours. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.